Good morning, everyone. Or I guess... I guess it's not necessarily morning, wherever you're tuning into this. Um, But it's morning here, so... Good fucking morning. How's everybody doing? Um, This is In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement, a.k.a. what we like to call and what we like to learn about proletarian revolution. But, of course, this comes with the caveat that uh, proletarian revolution, as it's commonly understood, right, as the working class taking power, seizing power from the ruling class, in this sense does not disclude or discredit Uh, national liberation struggles and especially does not you know uh, discredit the struggles that are ongoing around the world that may not be necessarily as of yet a socialist character but are in fact fighting for uh, objectives uh, realities which will create the basis for revolution and what we want uh at this show and what we want around the world is uh revolution not because we're some romantics or because we uh think that there's people that just need um a good taken care of um (laughs) but because ultimately historically speaking one of the most necessary tools for humanity to try to begin anew, try to recreate society and directly uh, struggle against the issues with which people are suffering under, this is commonly and almost always done through a revolution, if and when it's done to its fullest and correct extent and this is why Marx, Engels and plenty of others call revolutions the locomotive of history because if you look far back enough throughout human society you know that um, it is the masses of people who organize themselves and struggle against their oppressors in order to shift the deck, in order to shuffle the cards, or in order to completely throw away the deck and create something different, it happens time and time again all over the world, all the time, and it's happening right now, and so for anyone to kind of, you know, scoff at the idea of revolution or to be intimidated and scared or uh, concerned by the idea of revolution, um, one must only look into the history of the successful national liberation struggles and socialist projects which have been able to establish and consolidate power around the world, ones that have even existed for such a short time as, you know, a few years, like nations like Granada, or uh, Burkina Faso under Thomas Sankara, or um, 
Ghana under the leadership of Kwame Nkrumah, Tanzania under the leadership of Julius Nyerere, Mozambique under the leadership of um, uh, Samora Machel, and others, you know. And then there are national liberation struggles, different revolutionary movements around the world, which we have to also learn from, which have not succeeded in seizing power in being able to establish a system based solely in the people, right? Because when we're talking about socialism, when we are talking about revolution, what we are talking about some what we are talking about is something that cannot exist, cannot be a reality unless the majority of people actually take an active and participatory role. Uh, which goes far beyond anything that the supposed democracy that we see today around the world allows for its people. So anyways, that was a little ramble. Um, If this is your first time tuning into the show, welcome. I hope to be able to see more of you in the future. Looking forward to it. If this is you coming back, back to check out the show once again. It's great to see you. Um, I should say it's great to know that you are checking out the show. Maybe one day uh, we will have a method by which uh, we can actually see each other. Maybe I'll do some live streaming at some point. I don't know about all of that. Um, I don't really, I don't know. I don't really want this to be like more than what it should be. Anyways, Um, yeah, and if anybody ever wants to reach out for any reason whatsoever, um, I really do like learning about new podcasts, new programs, new YouTube channels. I really do like, uh, trying to meet new people. So you can find me at indefensiveliberation at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram uh, at Indefensive Liberation, and you can find me on Twitter at Red Star Bitch 420. Um, anyways, uh, so this is the third morning commute since I started the show back up. For folks who are tuning in for the first time, morning commute is you riding with me on my way to work usually, so, uh, thanks for being my co-pilot and therefore it comes with a couple disclaimers one sorry for the background noise you are literally in my car we are driving um two uh so like none of this is necessarily formatted as like a uh, uh an educational program would be in the sense that when i do interviews or when i talk to other people I kind of have like a uh, list of questions, a pl- like a, a planned out format by which I want to go through things. Morning commutes are more like me, 7 o'clock in the morning, pretty stoned, driving to work. So I'm just chopping it up. None of this is a fully forma- uh, formalized like thought, um, but it's just kind of me piecing together some different things that are on my mind. So... If that's not the type of interest, excuse me, if that's not the type of episode you are interested in, 
feel free to check out uh, literally any other podcast because you don't have to listen to mine. Go listen to the newest episode of Revolutionary Left Radio. Go check out Reimagining Soviet Georgia. Go check out The East is a Podcast. Check out Geopolitical Analysis, uh, I think it's called. Used to be Multipolarista with Ben Norton. Check out Unmasking Imperialism. Check out Freedom Now. Check out um, Activist News Network. There's all kinds of great programs. Um, But if you are interested in just kind of chilling and chatting, um, I'm going to try to talk about a few different things. I'm going to try to talk about a little, uh, like, housing struggle uh, discussion. Uh, And then I want to connect it to some of the issues that we're seeing with... Uh, ongoing genocide of African people within North America, as well as its connections to uh, poverty, homelessness, addiction, etc. So, I say all that solely to try to keep myself as formal as is possible, but uh, we will see how it goes. So, I want to start with the concept or the reality, I should say, that is ongoing genocide against African peoples here in North America and its connection to the different struggles that we are witnessing uh, take place around the world, but also here on Turtle Island. So, Of course, the recent murder of a young black man by the name of Tyree Nichols has set ablaze the people across North America, the African masses, the oppressed peoples who continuously see their family members, their friends on t-shirts, their brothers, their sisters as hashtags, and who ultimately understand through lived experience that this society is one which is built on their corpses, their graves. In order to understand the severity and the sincere objective reality that exists in the U.S., We have to conceptualize the origin of this society in its true form, not its mythos. So, Gerald Horn, love him, gotta love him, shout out comrade Gerald Horn. Gerald Horn writes extensively and speaks extensively about the true history of the origin of the colonial enterprises of North America and of the Americas generally. One might also want to read Eduardo Galeano's Open Veins of Latin America to understand also the types of slavery, of genocide that happened across Central and South America. But in North America, and specifically within 
the states that we call united. Um, there were 13 plus colonial enterprises begun by corporations and feudal kings and queens in order to establish a land grab through whatever means necessary, most commonly occupation, enslavement, and extermination, and genocide, aka genocide, through multiple means, whether it were through the poisoning of water, whether it was through the encirclement and burning up of entire villages and people groups and homes, uh, whether it was piracy and rape and torture and imprisonment and enslavement, the most important thing for those of us who want to see a change in the material conditions of North America that we can do is really study the history of how these different states, these different nations, these different colonial enterprises came to existence. Of course, we know that 1787, the Constitutional Republic known as the United States of America was formally founded through a constitutional referendum of approximately... Uh, I think less than 200 delegates of whom all were just about land-owning white males and a majority of whom were slave owners, many of whom were participants or generals or militiamen, uh, shock troopers, right? Storm troopers in the settler colonial massacre, slaughter and land grab against the indigenous peoples. And others had participated in the establishment and the continuation of the Atlantic slave trade and chattel slavery against, right, the European colonial enterprises who at that time were dealing with internal conflicts that required a reanalysis and a reorganization of their oppressive state and their regimes that couldn't have out-and-out chattel slavery anymore because of the rebellions and revolutions that were happening and wanted to shift the conditions a bit to make it a little less obvious what they were doing. The U.S. at this time, right, they didn't have feudalism. They were a class of essentially merchants, slave owners, land surveyors, and wealthy white men who essentially were banished or banished themselves to these lands to go fucking crazy murdering and enslaving people because they couldn't do it in Europe. That is the origin story of the United States. So when we are looking now to today, right, the murder of Tyree Nichols, A couple things. One, it can't be surprising anymore, which is sad, and we don't want to discredit the awful and traumatic experience, which is the death of another human being and the loss of a son, 
of a brother, of a friend, of a family member, uh, and a person, Tyree Nichols. Uh, But that, you know, for us to really see an end to this, we have to understand this as a pattern, as a part of the actual power grab, the continued class stabilization and enslavement and control and a part of the modus operandi like the status quo, the way things go, the actual motor of society requires the continuous murder of not only just African peoples of course but of all oppressed people groups across the world. That is why people in Peru and in Bolivia and across Central and South America are consistently dealing with counter-revolutionary groups which come in and murder uh, trade unionists, uh, just workers, peasants, um, social leaders, etc., indigenous folks, because that is how society keeps going. That's how imperialism keeps its its foot on the neck of the oppressed peoples around the world. So I bring this up because when we look at uh, struggle, which I think is pretty part and parcel to U.S. society as a whole, which is the struggle for housing, the struggle for... Uh, you know, an end to homelessness, an end to terrible housing conditions. Because over the last year, a majority of the organizing which I have done has been tenant organizing. Now, this is one avenue to deal with housing. We are, as an organization locally, known as Syracuse Tenants Organizing for Power, it is a coalition which is meant to encompass all facets, all avenues of struggle as regards not only housing, but particularly focused in that regard. If you look at the majority of people in North America, if they have housing, which approximately 500,000 to 2 million people reported, reported, so you know that's a lowball, go without any housing, any shelter whatsoever every single year. People who do have housing very rarely have quality, safe, stable, affordable, and kind of, you know, humane housing conditions. For example, three things. One, locally, in Syracuse, approximately 79% of the homes were built and have not been maintenanced since prior to the federal ban on lead paint. Meaning that 
there is a better to likely chance that about 80% of the rentable homes in Syracuse have lead poisoning. Second, the majority of us are constantly on edge about rent, about relations with our landlord, about conditions of our house that we can't necessarily get fixed, about whether or not to call codes. That is a stressful, unstable, anxiety-causing situation. That is not safe, stable, healthy housing. And lastly, we pay out the ass for rent. You know there's countries in the world where you can't have more than 5% of your income charged for rent? Hmm. Cuba. (coughs) It's important to understand that this is on purpose. And it's to keep us in a position of dependency. It's to keep us in a position, a relationship of exploitation where anywhere between on the low end, maybe 30%, which is still an incredible amount of money to 70, 75% of people's income is going towards rent, just rent. Add on top of that utilities, groceries, gasoline, heating, if you own a car, all the fees that come with that, everything else. So, in the last year, I've come to understand that housing organizing is one of the most key centers for struggle, solely for the fact that when you're in someone's house, or when you're talking to someone about housing, what you have is an intimate opportunity and relationship where you kind of see all the cracks, right? Like, an example I would use is when I went canvassing for one of the first times, we went to this woman's home and she had a hole in her wall exposing the outside. She had a broken sink bottom like the bottom of her bathroom sink where it was broken to a sharp point that had a bunch of tape wrapped around it so that her son wouldn't cut his head on it she had her furniture kind of you know mixed and matched of all it looked like my living room with my cousin's old uh, L-shaped sofa with my partner's mom's old love seat and with a computer chair, you know? Um, and it's, uh, 
it was also early in the day. So, you know, she's like somewhat got a kind of shit everywhere, but not like it's dirty or it's messy, but like, you know, it's from the night before. We're all so exhausted. We can't clean up. And then we kind of take our time getting up in the morning to do our things because fuck, I mean, I just want to sit down. I don't want to have to fucking clean up after myself, you know? Uh, but also things like three, four part-time job schedules all pinned to the schedule board, you know, and a big, big, messy, filled-in calendar with a million different things, babysitter, daycare, doctor's appointments, and then come to find out her neighbor next door, the ceiling caved in above her shower, so she had a garbage bag taped up that was catching asbestos and mold. The apartment beneath her, the sewage was coming out of her tub and was overflowing in her bathroom. And so she hadn't been staying there for a week because it was just full of sewage. And they were paying $900 a month. Now, when you meet someone at a rally, or you're talking to someone at the bus stop, or you're at work and you're chopping it up with your coworkers. We all got our faces that we put on, right? And we all are taught that we're supposed to have it like that. We're supposed to, like, be making money. We're supposed to be stable. We're supposed to have it all. So a lot of the time, we straight up lie. And we're like, yeah, nothing's wrong. Or I'm good. Even simple stuff like that. How you doing? Good. When everything's falling apart at home. We can't even be honest with our coworkers or our friends or our family even. So again, you get this like intimate relationship with people and you get to be in this intimate situation where like there's nothing to hide. But also where you have basically everything exposed to say Like, can't we agree that at least things should not be like this? That we should have things change. We should make things change. Um, And then you also have opportunities to look at the other struggles, the other organizing efforts, the other ways in which you can help someone. Because now, yeah, you're there to help them maybe form a tenant union or they, you know, fix up their apartment, get their landlord to follow codes. But now you might be able to talk to them about unionization efforts, or now you might be able to talk to them about the fact that in a socialist society, things like daycare, things like education, things like housing are a guaranteed human right. 
you have the opportunity to talk to them about the fact that they shouldn't feel so depressed and anxious and full of dread on a day-to-day basis that human existence should not be like this. You have a real opportunity to talk to them. And, yeah, not everybody's going to listen. And I'm not expecting that even if they do listen, they're going to follow through with anything. That's just kind of the way it goes. But it's an opportunity that you rarely get elsewhere, even in leftist, you know, uh, organizing circles. And this is connected to the idea of black genocide, because who deals with these circumstances the most? Is it the white affluent people who are the descendants of the slave owners and the aristocrats and of the governors and of the sheriffs and of the politicians and the business people and the merchants? No. Is it the people who have an inheritance, whose grandparents leave them land or money or, you know, uh, more than that? (laughs) Fucking pieces of shit. Um... Is it the people who have political power? Is it the people who are the police officers? Is it the people who are in the higher echelons of the military or of the National Guard or of the militias or of the intelligence agencies? No. It's the impoverished and oppressed communities. It's the communities which still, to this day, suffer under extreme forms of segregation and apartheid It is the populations which have to work three, four part-time jobs to make ends meet because they couldn't get the same opportunities that other people get. That's black folks. That's Puerto Ricans. That's indigenous peoples. That's Asian folks. That's Latinos. That's Chicanos. That's Mexicans. That's people who really cultivate, create, and maintain this society. But therein, people who this society can only survive through continuing to exploit and oppress. If you build a society on slave ownership, free labor, which is what slavery was. It was unpaid labor for Marxists and communists who want to ignore the struggles of those who are enslaved simply because it's a, quote, identity issue. Um, talking about black African people, talking about others from around the world who had to deal with this, like Indian folks in India from the British, others. uh, Anyways, when you build a society based on that relationship, that society can only exist and continue to thrive and survive if that relationship continues. That is why, you know, during the struggles... Uh, across, you know, Haiti, across Africa, across Central and South America to put an end to the enslavement of indigenous peoples, of Africans, of people all across the region. Um, Why the Americans, the slave owners in North America fought tooth and nail to enshrine the right to, quote, property, a.k.a. other human beings, because if they hadn't, the society that they had built, where nearly 4 million African people 
at that time um, were alive and in some form of enslavement within the colonial enterprises would have been free persons would have been able to freely participate in the political system and likely would have completely due to intrinsic necessity of the relationships of that society completely reformed and reshaped and revolutionized that society George Washington Thomas Jefferson Ben Franklin Sam Adams they couldn't have that and so this is how we get to the murder by uh, you know police officers the special armed winged special armed band of the state which similarly to groups like the National Guard and the military get to go around with guns and clubs and tasers and their fists and act you know without any sort of expectation of guilt or punishment brutalize, abuse, and slaughter masses of black, brown, and indigenous peoples. Trans folks, gay folks, poor folks, unhoused folks, folks who are dealing with mental crises, with addiction. So, you know, the struggle for housing, the struggle for an end to homelessness, the struggle against black genocide, against the genocide of black, brown, and indigenous people, um, The forced conditions with which the oppressed peoples and nations have to live, that includes housing, that includes health care, that includes food, that includes political uh, persecution, harassment, and imprisonment, that includes elongated prison sentences, lifetime prison sentences, torturous prison conditions, prisons in general just uh, existing en masse, and then also, of course, just outright murder, uh, theft of land, theft of people, Um, which is the basis of the five different uh, mediums by which uh, the International Tribunal found the United States guilty of genocide in 2021 and has been building different people's senates, building different relationships with different organizations internationally, has, uh, again, brought different commissions before United Nations member states, uh, and uh, why groups like the People's Forum did that recent tribunal there. Um, It's because, ultimately, Of course, we know that a legal struggle to accuse an oppressive nation of genocide will never lead to, uh, you know, a true guilty verdict in the sense that the oppressing nation is not going to find itself guilty. Um, However, the ability to, on an international stage, have that historical marker to say that we, the United States, have like the United States the people within North America know that this is the reality they know that this is 
what took place and are willing to struggle against it. And here's the paper trail, you know? If you want to look into it, if you want to learn more about it, or if you don't believe us, here's a bunch of people internationally who are jurors, who are, uh, you know, criminal court uh, members who are uh, taking part in the formation of international law, which is usually, of course, bogus, but anyways, they're in because it's bogus and because usually these people don't fucking agree with us or care about anything that uh, revolutionary struggles are trying to achieve. The fact that a guilty verdict was found and that these things continue forward shows that the world is changing, that struggles are continuing. But if we want an end to the North American state as it exists today and a development of a multipolar world and, you know, an end to the threat of nuclear war, an end to the threat of, you know, police unsanctioned or completely sanctioned police violence and murder, uh, imperialism, neocolonialism. One of the best places to strike first, of course, the United States. Now, I never know how cautious to be in my language, but let us say that a revolution is a historical process which takes place again all over the world and is the locomotive of history of people through people's participation, the masses' participation. Not me, not the Communist Party, not socialists, not communist anarchists and leftists generally, but the masses of people changing their habits, changing their patterns, changing their histories, taking control of the phenomenon of history and actually wielding it to their own benefit, to their own interests. That is what a revolution is, and that's what we need as a whole society around the world, but especially here in North America. Lastly, I wanted to bring up the idea of, uh, you know, how this connects to the origin of the United States and genocide generally, because of course we know that a lot of the left is convinced of the supposed progressive nature of the United States still, or is convinced to some extent that we should or could participate with the United States as it exists today, or that it in some form or another needs to be uh, enshrined and kept in existence, uh, and even that, you know, in some cases that it's a more progressive society than, you know, say, Europe, da 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 um, but uh, also just because a lot of our friends, as Comrade Gerald Horn always says on the left, uh, ignore, dismiss, and completely abandon the African masses, the indigenous peoples, the Asian peoples, the Latino peoples, the Chicano peoples, uh, Mexicans, uh, indigenous folks up in Canada, in Alaska, Hawaiians, uh, uh, Boricuas um, in Puerto Rico, and the struggles in Guam, the struggles all across the Peloponnesian Islands, um, usually because we're ignorant, but sometimes because we're concretizing that ignorance. And so we really have to struggle against our comrades as well, who struggle with our comrades, really, who want to enshrine in any way this 
history as something to be valued or something to be kept and in fact break entirely away from this system and from this society as a whole so in finishing um i really do think that right now what we desperately need is to build our base of course as always among the people but also find new methods and new avenues outside of social media and outside of petty bickering, which really allow for a struggle for ideology, for a theory, and for a kind of concretized and consolidated struggle, which is accountable, realistic, materialist, and revolutionary. But anyways, folks, that's it for me. Have a wonderful day. All love to you. Peace, love, and socialism. Bye.